This is If I Go Missing, a podcast where we tell the stories of those who have gone missing so that they aren't forgotten. And maybe, just maybe, we can help bring them the justice they deserve. I am your host, Megan. And I'm your co-host, Lynn. Are you ready to dive into another story? Always. Let's do it. Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome to If I Go Missing. This story is going to be an interesting one. One day, while writing and researching what was supposed to be the single story of Abby Lynn Patterson, a 20-year-old woman who went missing from Lumberton, North Carolina, I stumbled upon something else, something much bigger. I realized that not only was it important to tell Abby's story, but also the other missing women from Lumberton. When it comes to things like this, I am not one to believe in coincidences. Yet, I find myself almost wishing that was the case, just another case of sheer coincidence. Maybe it is. Regardless of whether any type of officials want to see these cases as related or unrelated is not my concern. My concern is making sure that these women do not become another forgotten missing person. The more I do this show, the more I realize that many small towns in America have several missing women. And most of the time, the cases, coincidentally, are a lot alike. Wait, what exactly do you feel like you have stumbled upon here? I don't know exactly. I feel like some, if not all, of these cases could be connected. Maybe a serial killer or a kidnapper? I don't know. Not for sure, anyways. The one thing I do know, though, is that somehow, one story of one missing young woman turned into much more than I expected. Like I said, until researching the story for Abby... I had never heard of the town of Lumberton. What I found out about it, though, is concerning and shocking, to say the least. I learned that North Carolina is divided into 100 counties. The town of Lumberton lies within Robeson County. It is the 22nd most populated. It also has the greatest prevalence of homicides of the state and holds the grim distinction of one of the nation's most violent rural community. Young people in this town, specifically, are twice as likely as those in other parts of the state to die before they come of age. In Lumberton, the chances of being raped, assaulted, or killed are 1 in 55, according to an article in 2016, which made Lumberton the most dangerous city in North Carolina. And this all came straight from government data. According to National Statistics of Missing Persons, since 1989, at least 13 people have disappeared from Robeson's County. Seven of them disappeared from Lumberton, to be exact. Back when Lumberton was founded, it was a destination of all settlers from all backgrounds. Today, it is the most ethnically diverse county in the U.S., More than 68% of its residents are American Indian, Black, or Hispanic. To date, 
Lumberton is home to less than 22,000 people, and most of its residents live below the poverty line. In the area where the victims of our story resided, drug addiction is rampant and was a struggle for most, if not all, of the women we're going to talk about. The deepening mystery involves five dead women, three in one month, in the same neighborhood in Lumberton, North Carolina. This is my take on the case of the missing women from Lumberton, North Carolina. I'm going to tell you guys this story in the same way that the cases unfolded for me. It all began when Abby Lynn Patterson went to visit her mother in Lumberton, North Carolina. Abby had come into town after graduating from a drug rehabilitation center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Abby had completed the program and been discharged to a sober living facility in Jacksonville, Florida, where she was supporting herself and living on her own. Abby had just been accepted to a college where she planned on studying to become a counselor. By all means, Abby's life was really starting to turn around. Her mother was even quoted in a true crime blog as saying that Abby would praise God every day for her sobriety. On September 4, 2017, the day before she vanished, Abby enjoyed a day at Holden Beach with her family. She posted a photo on social media and captioned it, quote, family is forever, end quote. On September 5th, 2017, around 11.30 a.m., Abby told her mother she was going to run some errands and would be back in an hour. She walked out of the house, which was situated on East 9th Street, and witnesses saw Abby begin to walk down the road. Soon, she was approached by a brown Buick sedan. Abby appeared to know the driver and got into the car willingly. After an hour had passed and Abby failed to return, her mother attempted to call her daughter's cell phone. And then she became concerned when the calls went straight to voicemail. After a long and anxious day with no contact from her daughter and Abby failing to return home, Samantha Lovett reported her daughter, Abby Lynn Patterson, missing at 6 p.m. Abby has not been seen or heard from since. Her social media and bank accounts remain untouched. While authorities eventually were able to identify and locate the driver of the Brown Buick, they have publicly stated that the person is an acquaintance and merely provided Abby with a ride to a different location. The secondary location and the name of the driver have not been released to the public. New tips and information are constantly coming in and being thoroughly investigated. The local sheriff's office, as well as the Charlotte Division of the FBI, are seeking information from the public regarding Abby's whereabouts. After reading into stories regarding Abby's disappearance, I then stumbled into an article that began to tell the story of not just one, but two more women. Shortly before Abby Lynn Patterson vanished on September 5, 2017, three sets of human remains were located just blocks from her last known location. On April 18, 2017, authorities were alerted to a foul odor coming from an abandoned home at 505 Peachtree Street. Once they arrived, they found the body of a naked female wrapped in gray blankets and stuffed into an old entertainment cabinet. You're never going to look at your TV the same way. I know I'm not. The remains had been there for some time 
and they were badly decomposed. Christina Bennett, who was known to her family as Kristen, was found dead on that day, April 18, 2017, inside the house on Peachtree Street. Then, that same day, the same day that they found Christina Bennett, April 18, 2017, investigators were collecting evidence inside that home on Peachtree Street when bystanders continued to smell something strange. They decided to remove the lid off of a nearby garbage can and found a second body. They alerted authorities to the trash can that was located a mere 50 yards away at 702 East 5th Street. Court documents then state, however, that the trash can had the address of a 505 Peachtree Street painted on its side, even though it wasn't found there. That's not obvious. Not at all. No. I mean, we, we have a big marker on the side of the trash can, but it's not mine. Yeah, definitely. That's just, that's just crazy. I mean. That's like when you cheat on your homework in elementary school and you turn yeah. it in with your friend's name on it. <laughs> there you go. It's like, no, it's not my t-shirt. That's my name, too. I changed it last night. <laughs> I don't I mean, who does that? Apparently, whoever lived at 505 Peachtree Street. This is true. It's like, who, who, who does that to a human body? The person who didn't care enough to kill a human that, you know, resided in the body. Undoubtedly. Insane. It is. It's really creepy. Inside the trash can that clearly belonged to the house on Peachtree Street was the decomposing remains of another unclothed female. Both women's deaths had been ruled undetermined as the bodies were so badly decomposed. Before the two sets of remains that were discovered, and before they were positively identified, of course, a woman by the name of Megan Ann Oxendine was interviewed for a TV news station regarding the disappearance and possible discovery of her friend Rhonda Jones. Megan was quoted as saying, Quote, she was a mother of five and a sweet, good person. I never see her act out or nothing. She was just quiet. She didn't really mess with too many people. End quote. Then, by the time June 3rd of 2017 rolled around, Megan Oxendine was found outside a home on East 8th Street. Megan was the third female to be found dead inside a four-block area. From East 5th, to East 9th Streets. All three were known to be involved in drugs, but their bodies were so decomposed that no cause of death has ever been determined. However, their bodies were sent off for autopsies and rape kits that had been done on the victims. If they're so decomposed that you can't identify them, you can't determine how they were killed, but you can still do rape analysis on them and and dna but they're but they're so decomposed yeah i don't really understand that either i mean i know for like decomposure it they can still you know tell by your bone structure you know male or female things like that yeah and there's there is a way to find your dna through that and Mm -hmm. kind of find out who you are but yeah as far as determining the cause of death and then everything else i don't see how you could do one without having you right. know enough body to do right. the other because you could i mean you could 
you could identify them through dental records. You could identify them. There's, yeah. I mean, even though it's decomposed, there's still some DNA somewhere deep in there. I don't know all the science about yeah. it, but it just seems like these other. It just seems odd mm -hmm. what they can do and what they can't do. Yeah. As far as checking all of that out. I mean, I don't know how long they were there or how, you know, badly decomposed they were or whatever. Right. But I would think you can't really autopsy bones because when I think badly decomposed, I think like 99% bones. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I guess it's more complete of the process, not badly into the process. Yeah. And I mean, what we determine, because we're not medical, we are not coroners, we don't, thank God, <laughs> we don't know the degree of these things. So when they say, quote, quote, badly decompose, you don't know exactly what that means. Yeah. Um, grossly speaking, I had a doctor I used to work with, and if you were like 10, 15 pounds overweight, you were morbidly obese. Now, I'm sorry. I'm a chunky hunky. I consider myself obese. But then I look at other people, and I go, no, 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 that's obese. I'm, I'm not as bad as I thought. Or, dang, girl, you're more obese than you thought. So maybe yeah. composure is the same thing. It, it depends on how medically it is determined, you know? Yeah, that's all I can really think. Yeah. It could be that there is still enough DNA for these other tests they were doing. Yeah, I mean, that's all I can think, because why send them out for an autopsy if there's nothing to autopsy but bone? So there had to be more than... Has that there. Yeah. I would think there has to be because hard to autopsy yeah. nothing. The only way you could do a bone, I would think, would be if there was any left and you drew um, marrow or mm -hmm. some of this kind of stuff to determine what's in there. You know, were they drugged to death? Were they whatever, yeah. whatever. I actually did find a few of the victims' autopsies that had mm -hmm. been made public. Okay. So I do have a few of those, but... We're going to have to wait because just like all of the people involved had to wait for the autopsies to come back, we're going to have to wait because something else happened before they came back. Oh, my Lanta. So while the people of Lumberton were awaiting these autopsies on the three murdered women to come back, another seemingly vanishes. Cynthia Jacobs went missing on July 27th of 2017, almost two months after Megan's body was found. It is very hard finding information regarding Cynthia's case. A blog called Ghost Writer Grown Up says that Cynthia preferred to live on the streets, which is why there is not much known information about her disappearance. The only information that is available is a post on Facebook written by Terry Ray and shared by Bernice Wilkins, the Robinson County Sheriff at the time. The post states that Cynthia Jacobs is the sister of Terry Ray's husband, making the female sister-in-laws. Terry explains how they tried to offer Cynthia a place to stay, but she had declined. Terry stated, quote, In June, Megan went missing. Cynthia was the last person to be with Megan. There has to be a connection somewhere with the three deceased and Cynthia. So, pause for a second. One of the first missing that was found in the house was apparently a friend of Megan's because she was interviewed about 
you know, the possible discovery mm -hmm. of her friend's remains and her missing persons case, like, right before she went missing. Which is, to me, a little odd. And then, now, this woman goes missing, who also knew Megan, who was the last person to see Megan. Yeah, that's a... There's no way not to connect those. Exactly. I mean... It, but nobody is. They all knew each other. They all were the last person or one of the last people. Or friends with. Yeah. Mm -mm. No, there's definitely a connection There is here. something here. Um, it's sad, but some of the... Maybe not the first one, of course, but one or two that said, yeah, I saw her. She was here or there. Some of the witnesses, it's like, okay, we got to clean them up, get them out of the way. Yeah. Got to clean that one up, get that one out of the way. And it, it, it's a domino no, effect. Yeah. To me, there's no way not to connect them. I'm, I'm honestly just glad that somebody sees it too. Yeah. Because when I was writing this, I was like jaw drop because like, holy crap, I think I stumbled onto some sort of serial killing. Yeah, there's no way either a serial... Um, because the serial just keeps doing the same pattern over and over. But this no. is more of, I cover up my tracks. Normally they have a same killing style with serial killers. And they also, they don't have to kill like all at once. That's a spree right. killer. A spree killer is the ones that yeah. are, spree and mass killers are kind of the same. They do all of their killing at one big time. Right. With a grand number of people. Mm -hmm. Serial killers can do it over time like yeah. one of the most famous cases of the grim sleeper mm -hmm. he had an extremely long period of inactivity like years right. of inactivity i mean going a few months in between is kind mm -hmm. of par for the course with those type of killers yeah i don't know there's just there's no way they're not connected and one thing that people don't get with serial killers a lot is when you kill more than three people you're a serial killer I guess when we think of serial killers, we automatically think they have yeah. to have this M.O. Yeah. Like, and normally yeah. they do. But a serial killer is typically a person who murders three or more people, usually in service of abnormal psychological gratification with the murders taking place over more than a month and including a significant period of time between them, often with no apparent motive and typically following a characteristic pattern of predictable behavior. So, maybe we have stumbled onto something. I don't know. Yeah. Or it could just be, like you said, somebody covering their tracks. Yeah. I don't know. It's th there's definitely connections. of Some some sort of connection. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think Terry Ray's off at all by saying that there's a connection. No. Nah, I don't either. So, the disappearance of Cynthia Jacobs really had a profound effect on the community because people finally started to wonder, much like we are, are they dealing with a serial killer? Local law enforcement contacted the Charlotte Division on the FBI and asked for assistance with this case. So the FBI came in, they canvassed the neighborhood, they knocked on over 800 doors, and, you know, authorities have stated that they even received tons of tips throughout this process, but nothing came that would help lead to an arrest. The FBI is offering a $30,000 reward for information to help them determine how Bennett, Jones, and Oxendine died. Investigators and the FBI have stated that they do not believe the disappearance of Abby Lynn Patterson is related to the three deaths, 
but they do consider Abby banished from the same four-block radius where the remains were discovered. And, you know, this honestly raises some concern for people, and I don't blame them. Yeah. Yeah, because it's all too... Too close together. Too close together, too connected, too similar. Yeah, I mean, and while I do agree the circumstances with Abby may not be just like the other women because she doesn't... She, or to my knowledge, she doesn't know them. But, I mean, the same four-block radius, like... I mean, it, I don't know, because I don't know these quacko minds. It, it, maybe it was that the first person was killed, because I stink with names within my own house. The first person was killed. The second person kind of knew that person and didn't know she was such a nice person. And I can't believe something like this would happen. Well, I would knock that one off in case she saw something. Then the third person knew them as well, as we discussed earlier. Better bump her off because she's, you know, could be loose cannon. And it was like, that was fun. Look at all these people that I've killed and nobody knows I did it. And there's another person. I could get Abby off to herself and I can make this thing a roll. You know, I mean, they're crazy. These people, these, these yeah. just, you cannot be sane and be a mass murderer or a serial killer or whatever you want to call that. You can't be sane and do that. Mm-mm, mm-mm. It, and it could just be that poor Abby was just, okay, this is pretty cool. I'm going to keep this up. And Abby was just happened to be the person walking by or alone enough they could add to their collection, so to speak. How horrible. Yeah. I mean, again, serial So killers, sad. They don't have to have motive. Right, right. That's they so sad. They don't have sad. to have a reason, you know? They can just do it. Yeah. That is just heartbreaking, but it, that's almost what it makes you feel like is like, these three, they were connected, and it was some cover-up and some, you know, I don't know, maybe just getting a kick off of God knows whatever happened to these poor women. Oh, I'm sure. That's how that's how they yeah. keep their uh, dark and twisted minds gratified. Right. And then poor Abby, she just kind of fell into it, I guess. I don't know. I guess. So heartbreaking. I just don't see how you couldn't look at the possibility that they might be related. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. I, I can't get that in my head. And honestly, the families of the victims kind of started publicly complaining, even stating that they weren't getting the help that they desired from law enforcement. I don't blame them. Authorities, however, they may be holding some information close in order to find the person responsible and eventually prosecute them for their crimes. And we've talked about this before. Right. You know, I mean, they police don't have to tell us everything. Well, if they did, um, then you're showing your hand. Yeah. Any poker player knows you keep that poker face. Mm-hmm. You don't go there and go, well, look here, I got these cards, and I'm holding these cards, and I'm going to kick your butt in the next hand. I mean, that's just retarded. Then yeah. they know exactly what you're doing. There was something in the military. Oh, I remember it was a presidential candidate there. Here's what we're going to do to solve the war. And we're going to, you know, dude, shut up. If you're going to do that and if it's a good plan, you just told the enemy what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. It's just it's stupid. So, yeah, if it, you cannot expect the FBI, local police, whatever to go. So, on June 4th, we're going to walk in. We're going to talk to Sam, Fred, and George. And we're going to, you can never going to do that. No. We suspect these three people. So, we're going to do this. Well, Sam, Fred, and George are going to be gone by June 4th. Yeah. I mean, it's stupid. I mean, you can't 
you can't run an effective investigation by showing no. all of your cards. No. No, you have got to, you've got to, um, and you've got to pit people against each other. Yeah. I interview you and I tell you a little bit, oh, yeah, you don't know what old Lynn been doing. I just, you know, I mean, just saying that. Or I my personal favorite. Lynn came in and she spilled the beans. Oh, heaven's So, yes. Megan, you need to just confess because your life's going to be a whole lot yeah. better if you do because Lynn already did. We already know. We have exactly. you where we want you. We're trying to help you get a better deal. There you go. That's my favorite. Yeah, definitely you, so. You know darn well they don't care about you. No, they don't care about you. You'll They're kill them. Both your behinds to confess so they can put both y'all's behinds in jail. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, it is. It's it's a game, and it in this case, when you're talking about people's lives and people being murdered and... The possibility uh, of more coming. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like somebody's having a good time here. Heck, yeah, I'm going to lie and go, yeah, Megan, you know what Lynn told us? Well, well yep. I seem like a canary. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can warn you right now. I'm not going down with your behind. Mm-mm. I'm not going down with you either. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. No, I am scared I can't of jail. jail. I'm scared of jail. <laughs> I'm not going to make a fool out of myself. <laughs> this is officially how you know you've spent too much time with the person, folks. <laughs> Definitely so. But, you know... The public soon would get what they desperately wanted, or at least a little bit of it. Soon enough, those autopsies and rape kits came back. But when the public learned that the rape kits sat untested in the police department for a year and eight months, they were outraged, and rightfully so. The three rape kits were submitted December 21st, 2018. These murders happened in 2017. Yeah, you know, we try to defend the police here, but you kind of shooting our son of the foot. I mean, why would you hold off on sending those? I don't get it. I don't, I, I have no idea. This is people's lives you're talking about, people's families, people's daughters, sisters, cousins. Moms. Moms. Yeah. Yeah, one of them had three kids. Luckily, I was actually able to get the results from a local news outlet who had requested them straight from the Attorney General. The only thing I could find regarding the results were just statements showing that the samples had actually been submitted and worked. The actual results, the complete ones, I found two out of three of. Christina's report was never released. The other two I did find. I don't know why hers was never released. And I can't really find an explanation as to why either. Interesting. In the state of North Carolina, autopsies involved in criminal investigations are not released until the criminal investigation is deemed complete. Makes sense. So maybe that's why Christina's isn't released yet. But that also goes back to the theory of do you not think it's related? Yeah. Why would you release X and Y and not release Z? Mm-hmm. If X and Y is complete, you're not even looking at them as being related. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But, you know, seeing as how they have to be deemed complete before they're released, that could also mean that the autopsy findings may have been available to investigators relatively soon after the bodies were found. The results were not released until the public until August 31st and September 2nd of 2018. But, you know, the police get them well ahead of when we Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't. Again, you can't just put all the information out there. Yeah. You've got to have it in an orderly fashion 
And if you go to court or something, certain information cannot just be laying out there on the table for everybody to see. So you can't release everything. Toxicology reports were also run on the victims, and the results of those generally take 10 to 12 weeks to come back, and luckily, I was able to get them as well. All of these did come from that local news outlet, and it's going to be linked in the show notes if you're interested, but that's where I got it from. The first report we're going to go over is that of Rhonda Jones. Rhonda is actually the woman that they were questioning Megan Oxendine about. She was friends with Rhonda, and they were asking about her disappearance and possible finding of her bones. Right. So, in Rhonda's report, this is coming straight from WBTW News 13, quote, the naked body of Jones, 36, quote, the naked body of Jones, 36, was found face down in a residential trash can containing trash. Medical examiner Karen Warwick described the body as decomposed. There were small cuts on her face and her nose was broken. It was unclear whether those injuries were caused by being placed in the trash can or by some other cause, though. There did not appear to be any disease that caused her death. Toxicology analysis showed trace amounts of cocaine, benzylagonine, which is a metabolite of cocaine, chlorphenamine and antihistamine, dextromethorphan, which is a cough medication, so maybe she was sick, mm-hmm. fluoxetine, which is Prozac, which is a selective serotonin, hold on, and fluoxetine, which is, you know, Prozac, and that is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, SSRI, That's the active ingredient in Prozac and other medicine generally prescribed for mental health. And there was norfluxetine, which is a metabolite of fluoxetine, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, and nicotine. Ethanol was also detected, and, you know, ethanol is alcohol. But the medical examiner said it was likely a result of decomposition. That actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean... Because ethanol is um, like rubbing alcohol. Yeah. So, unless they doused her body in rubbing alcohol, which would be weird, decomposure makes more sense. Yeah. And, you know, because neither injuries nor drug levels could be determined as the cause of death as they were, Mm -hmm. you know, trace amounts and not fatal injuries. Exactly. The cause of death remains uncertain, according to her report. Okay. Makes sense. The report left open the possibility of death caused by suffocation, though. Mm. That's, that and drowning are my worst, too. Fire. Oh, oh Lord. Never mind. Three. <laughs> Let's just not do it at all. Yeah, yeah, don't say we did. Yeah. The report said, quote, The possibility of external factors contributing to the death, such as an asphyxial injury by neck or chest compression or covering of the nose and mouth cannot be excluded. At this time, the cause and manner of death are best classified as undetermined, end quote. The autopsy was performed on April 19th, 2017, and Warwick signed it on April 30th, 2017. Toxicology results came back 10 weeks later on June 27th, 2017, 
The final review and release of the autopsy was signed and dated August 31st, 2018. So that is everything we got from the autopsy and toxicology on Rhonda Jones. But the next that was found that very same day was Christina. So while we got everything back for Rhonda, Christina's autopsy results were not released, but a new detail in the discovery of her body was a discovery of her body was mentioned in the autopsy for Rhonda Jones. While investigators had said that Christina Bennett's body was found inside a home on Peachtree Street, they released few additional further details. The following sentence in the autopsy summary for Jones revealed an additional detail about where Bennett's body was found. And this is actually how we came to find out that it was in the Entertainment Center TV cabinet. Because the report said, quote, this case is associated with another female who was found on the same day in a television cabinet in a nearby abandoned house, end quote. Okay, armchair sleuth, but does that not sound like the coroner thinks they're related? Yeah. Why don't the police? They're in the same house. Even at that, if you want to say she was in the house and she was in a trash can, the trash can was marked addressed exactly. to the house. Exactly. Come on. Yeah, I, I, it definitely, um, to me, uneducated and undetecticated. I'm not a detective. <laughs> um, it it kind of spells out that the coroner's pretty sure there's a connection. That's what it sounds like to me, too. Yeah. Because you don't mention something like that in those reports unless it's relevant. Yeah. This case is associated with. Yeah, that's verbatim. It's pretty conclusive. Yeah, and I mean, it's written verbatim. Yeah. So, I guess we're never going to know about that one unless they decide to tell us. Definitely. The final autopsy report I got was from Megan Oxendine. Again, this is coming straight from WBTW News 13. Quote, the naked body of Oxendine, 28, was found outside an abandoned home, partially concealed by a cedar tree, Covered with tree branches and roof shingles, medical examiner Jennifer Altman said there was no apparent natural disease or physical injury that caused Oxidine's death. End quote. As with Jones, decay of the remains also made a determination about Oxidine's death difficult. The toxicology analysis showed trace amounts of caffeine, nicotine, cocaine, and metabolites, and morphine which potentially reflected heroin use. Okay. Ethanol was also found, but just like Rhonda, it may have been due to decomposition. And just like Rhonda, Megan was found naked. Yeah. I'm just noticing like that Christina. little connection. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Yeah, there, there are too many connections in this. Yeah. And then again, like you said, or like we said, the the official report connection association it, by the coroner yeah yeah i mean he's he's pretty good at seeing these things mm -hmm. you don't get to be coroner for the fun of it you know god who would yeah <laughs> Ugh. yeah definitely again this is a sign that you know somebody for too long <laughs> <laughs> so while the toxicology findings indicate the use of illicit drugs at some point no definitive association 
between the drug use and the descendant's demise can be made with any reasonable degree of certainty, according to the report. The medical examiner said subtle findings indicating a cause of death, quote, may be difficult to clearly discern or reliably exclude with reasonable certainty given the conditions of the remains, end quote. The examiner specifically mentioned that the, quote, putative asphyxial insult, end quote, commonly called suffocation or other loss of oxygen would be difficult to determine. But then again, it's not completely ruled out. And no, it, um, it, it seems like just kind of putting pieces of the coroner's words together. The coroner feels like suffocation is a strong, strong possibility. For it, one it, or it, both it's, women. It's just repeated. It's brought in and it's, you know, indicated several times. However, the report officially read, quote, the cause and manner of death are best classified as undetermined, end quote. Because otherwise, I guess it would be speculation. Even if it yeah. was strong speculation. You still have to be able to still, prove it. And you can't exactly. really prove that without the body showing the sign. Exactly. Yep. Although... When strangled, there is a bone that should appear broken. So, the hyoid bone is this little U-shaped bone of your neck. Normally, it is fractured in one-third of all homicides by strangulation. So, on this basis, postmortem detection of a hyoid fracture is relevant to the diagnosis of strangulation. So. Makes sense. Maybe there was no damage to the hyoid bones. Maybe that's why she couldn't officially right. rule it at that stage of decomposition. Right. Because if, if it was a pillow or something used just to cut off the air, there wouldn't be any physical damage. And maybe that's why she threw in, you know, it could be a pillow or it could be, you know, hand mm -hmm. over mouth, things like yeah. that. Yeah. Because that would still be the same asphyxiation manner but it wouldn't be one that would cause damage when deceased right which at the same time really means this killer is very smart yeah they have an idea of what they're doing they really do so does this really make you think that it was like random killings no they seem kind of career criminal yeah the autopsy on megan was performed on june 6 2017 then her toxicology results came back 11 weeks later on August 22, 2017. The autopsy was not signed until the final review and release was approved on until August 28th of 2018. Why did it sit there for literally a year and six days? Six day, yeah, six days shy of a year. I don't know. What's the purpose of letting it sit there? I do not know. This that that is the most maddening thing. Like, yeah. why? For a year, I'm wondering what's going on. Yeah, I mean, police are still wondering what's going on. Yeah. Like, do you have more pressing matters? Definitely. I mean, maybe you do. I'm not you, but yeah. Either way, in January of 2018, the FBI announced a reward of up to thirty thousand dollars for information that helps determine the circumstances that led to the deaths of Bennett, Jones, and Oxendine. Agents have even gone, like I said, door-to-door -door asking for people to come forward with any information. While they may not have told FBI or the police, 
Lumberton locals had a theory about the case. I've read in a few different places that locals seemingly think there is a serial killer in their midst. And not only that, but they also think these killings and disappearances are tied to two unsolved murders from back in 2009. There's your period of rest for a serial killer. 2009, 2017. Interesting. Very interesting. Just saying. Not a detective. Just saying. Throwing it out there. Anywho. So, back in 2009, in January, Lisa Harden and Michelle Driggers were both found murdered. Two women murdered within four months. Each had previously been charged with prostitution. Each, apparently, were beaten to death. So, that's a little different. Oh, my goodness. Yes. But... What was the length of time when they were found? That's true, too. Because these other women were so decomposed that maybe you couldn't tell were they beaten or were they just decomposed that much or, you know, that could be the difference of why these two women were found beaten to death, but the other women weren't. But I think from the bones, you can tell something about blunt force trauma. That's true, too. Yeah. I don't know. That would make sense, too, though. When the bodies were found, they were found within a mile of each other. Again, you know, very close proximity, two bodies, you know. Right. House in the trash can situation. Despite the similarities, though, police aren't ready to say two plus two equals four. What they are saying is that the deaths of Lisa Harden, 36, and Michelle Ann Driggers, 23, remain under investigation and that nothing is being ruled out including the possibility that the same person might be responsible, a.k.a. we got a serial killer. Probably anyways. It's not unusual for serial killers to target prostitutes, though. Yeah. They're easily approached, they live a high-risk lifestyle, and because of their lifestyle, they might be gone for days before Mm -hmm. they're reported missing. So, you know, it gives you time to get out of town, cover your tracks, things like that. It's sadly an easy target. Yeah. Easy I mean, to cover up everything. Yeah. Many of podcasts have said that, you know, that's why it's an easy target. That's sad. And it really is. It's terrible. Lisa Harden was found in the woods about 15 feet behind the Titan Flow Control Inc. warehouse off Chippewa Street. Then, once again, the nude body of Michelle Driggers was found face down in a mud puddle in the driveway of a small overgrown cemetery off of Hestertown Road on March 30th. Again, nude body. Face down. Bam. Anyways, Mm -hmm. just our speculation. Police, however, will not confirm street talk that Hardin was also found nude. The one in the woods. Yeah. They won't confirm or deny. I neither confirm nor deny. And generally, when you won't confirm or deny, you're confirming. Yeah, that is a that is a confirmation. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it says you don't have enough to deny, but you also don't right. have enough to confirm. So that means you got some. Yeah, you got something that's leading you one way or another. Right. A woman by the name of Gwen Taylor, a social worker with the Lumberton Police Department, who works with prostitutes trying to get them off the streets, says that there are about 10 prostitutes who frequent the area almost daily. 
She said most of them have told her they fear for their lives. Taylor, who refers to the women as, quote, my girls, said one woman in particular has not worked the streets since Hardin's murder. Gwen Taylor is quoted as saying, she said she was scared and hadn't turned a trick all week. But she added, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do, though. End quote. Gwen says most of the prostitutes are women who are trying to support a drug habit. And the similarities to the cases from 2017 are strikingly similar. For example, Harden and Driggers, again, were both badly beaten before they died. The women were found in isolated areas, about a mile apart. According to an autopsy by the office of the Chief Medical Examiner's Office in Chapel Hill, there was evidence that Driggers had been strangled, beaten, and stabbed. It also showed that Driggers had been sexually assaulted, which may be why they did rape kits on the victims from the house. Makes sense. It also showed that Driggers had been sexually assaulted with a sharp object and that those wounds were a contributing factor in her death. God, I hope it was a fast death. Police still have not released information stating whether or not Lisa Hardin was sexually assaulted, though. Court records show that Driggers was charged with misdemeanor, soliciting a crime against nature in September of 2002, but the charge was dismissed. Police recently said that Hardin had been charged with prostitution a couple of months before her death. As far as I know, officials still do not have any suspects in these cases. They're still unknown. Looking back through this town's history, a pattern of young women vanishing in this manner emerges. Some women have turned up deceased in abandoned homes and on abandoned properties. Other young ladies, like Abby herself, are still missing. This leaves the community wondering, are these happenings a coincidence or is a predator stalking the community? Yeah, I gotta agree with that one. Uh, and you know what's so sad? If you look and you kind of put things together, and there was a long break between the 09 incidences and the 2017 incidences, you know, you're you're sitting there and that nice guy that takes your groceries out of the grocery store, he's the one that did all this to these women. He's a really nice guy. If something snaps in his head or he's nice to draw in the next victim, you know what I'm saying? That's that's the bad part of this. Is this is this little Johnny down the street that's such a nice little kid to everybody? Yeah, he's in his 20s, but when you're 55, 56, everybody's a little kid. But it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. With that, with that span, it's almost like whoever is doing all of this snaps. Yeah, and something, it, something yeah. awakens in the urge in them. Yeah. And then, like, when it happens and it's kind of over for now, they, they resume their normal life of whatever working at the local gas station whatever it is yeah you know right under your nose then it then like you said that trigger gets gets lodged again and boom i'm, I'm at it again yeah it's, it's just so sad it's scary it's scary and the other sad part of all of this is so many of them are prostitutes that's all they can do for whatever reason 
there was obviously no education in their background to give them something to build a career, a life, a job on. Or in this case, or, they're all supporting their drug habits. Exactly. And you know, being on drugs, nobody's going to hire you. Yeah, exactly right. But you're addicted to it. You can't stop. No. It's an addiction for a reason. Yeah. It's just so sad that they're in that position that they they can't seemingly get out of. Not many people get out of that situation. No. They, it's, and it's just a sad, hard truth. It is. Something else I read today really kind of resonates with what you just said about, you know, the kid at your mm-hmm. local grocery store. So I was scrolling through Instagram or I think something somewhere, and I found this thing that said, on average, the normal everyday person you and me over their lifetime will encounter about 12 serial killers and never know isn't that crazy yeah it's pretty wicked thank you for listening to another episode of if i go missing i'm your host megan and i put a lot of thought and hard work into these episodes i write edit and produce them all myself And it means a lot to me that you guys take the time to listen. If you would like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is at if I go missing podcast. Then we also have our Twitter and that one is at Megan Noel pod. If you want to reach out and suggest a case, you can do that on Instagram or Twitter by sending us a DM. We also have a Facebook page called Megan Noel podcast. And we also have discussion groups for the podcast. And the name of the discussion group is If I Go Missing, a podcast.